Can a Bible believer also be a fool? Good morning. It is great to be with you once again as we are into a new year. We strive to present thought-provoking lessons during this time and greatly appreciate your willingness to give that opportunity. We do realize that some of the topics and discussions will not win a popularity contest, so we do appreciate your continued support. The Church of Christ at Ben makes these lessons possible. This small congregation is what I call just good people. They're the kind of people you want as your neighbor, your business partners, your friends. You can learn more about them at the benchurchofchrist.org, benchurchofchrist.org. We have looked at the concept of fools, taking the verse out of Psalms 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. As we have addressed, a fool is one that has the knowledge but does not apply it. The basic dictionary definition is a person who acts unwise or perhaps even silly. They lack good judgment. We pose the question in the beginning of our study of a fool also being a Bible believer. We know that the Bible is our guide. The psalmist wrote in chapter 119, verse 104, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The next verse adds to it, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, verse 16, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's consider some foundational Bible verses while also looking at how some act or react concerning these verses. I do also want to mention that the idea of this lesson came from a newsletter called Fellowship Room. The writer of the article is Hugh Fulford. In July 16th of 2019, the article Hughes News and Views, The Fool Has Said. Many profess to believe in verses like John 8, 24. I said, therefore, unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come into the Father but my me. Many believe in those verses. Yet they also hold to the concept that God will save all good people, regardless of of how strongly or even if they believe that God will save all good people while also holding to those verses. They believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. God breathed. That people like Paul were messengers of God. Paul noted in 1 Corinthians 2, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said in verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of spirit. And verse 5, That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet some don't believe it at all, or... They only believe some of it. You know, not those words of Paul and Peter and James, but the the words that Christ spoke. You know, those words in red, those are the things 
that we're supposed to heed to. Well, Paul actually talked to Timothy about this type of people in 2 Timothy chapter 3, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He told Timothy in verse 5, what? To from such turn away. If we accept the Bible as the word of God, as God would speak to Moses or Aaron or the prophets of old, or they accept the Bible as some of the word, but they have other writings to supplement the word of God, or they believe that God still speaks directly to man, that they want to add to that word. They hold that the gospel is all that we need, and yet they also turn to the other side and lean on other writings, disciplines, or thinking that God still needs to directly speak to us. Many believe that Christ established his church, as Matthew 16, 18 records, but that we all make up that one church, just as the term denomination signifies it is division. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul again, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And that's where we are today? I don't think so. He continued, For it has been declared unto me, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you said, I of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Some add, well, you know, Jerry, we're all going to heaven. We're just going different routes, perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment that there aren't divisions. Again, in Corinthians, Paul said, God is not the author of confusion. Many believe that one must at least accept that Christ is the Son of God to be pleasing, perhaps even confess of a public nature. Others add that acts or works also would be necessary, yet they refuse to accept that those that don't do these things are not in a saved condition, that their lives are in danger of spending eternity in a place called hell. That a loving God would not do that to his creation made after his own image. Yet we read in 2 Thessalonians, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two groups of people. Those that don't believe and those that do believe but don't obey. And the result, verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. After a lengthy list of wrongdoings, Christ said in Matthew 25 that these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Second Peter actually references this uh, in Second Peter chapter 2. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment. 
and God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing a flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow. What was that? Making them an ensample, making an example out of the angels, out of the world with the flood of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, an example unto those who choose to live ungodly. They read in their Bible that fornication and adultery are wrong, yet have a hard time accepting that it is wrong for two people that love one another, truly love one another, that that this act of sex isn't just reserved for those inside the bonds and the vows of a marriage, that adultery is always wrong. Well, they would at least have a a list of some short exceptions to where adultery is always wrong. Yet we read that sex outside the bonds of marriage is always wrong. Yet we have a hard time believing that. They believe that Christians should be separate, not to let the elements of this world have an influence on their lives. That is what Romans 12 says. Yet, The events of this world certainly have transformed their worship to God, has it not? We see changes in worship over the years. We've talked about the concept of music in worship several times as we consider how music has practically taken over worship to God in some places and that the production is rehearsed as much as any Broadway show. But the world doesn't have its place. Do we see what's going on? I want my Bible. I also want a little bit of the world as well. They believe in spirit and truth, that the gospel is God's word, as we talked about a bit ago. But they are more more than willing to accept what a council says or a voting delegation to determine what is actually right and what is actually wrong. At least one of the major denominations have been challenged with this edict coming from a high-level organization telling them how to stand on current issues. They believe in the judgment of God. Acts 17, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth every man all places to repent, because he hath appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and he hath raised him from the dead. 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. But they also hold to the concept that our works have nothing to do with anything. I believe the Bible. That's what the verses say. But, you know, I just don't think our works have anything to do with it. That once we accept Jesus, we're locked in and nothing can remove us. What they say cannot happen did happen, Galatians 5 and 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you have justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. They say it can't happen. Yet we have at least one example. It did happen along this line. Okay, okay, I believe in a place called hell, but but those that are there are going to be the really, really, really bad ones that most will go to heaven. Yet Christ himself addressed this in Matthew chapter 7. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth, where? To destruction, and 
many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The broad way, the path that many find, leads to destruction. And the path that leads to life is more narrow, and few find it. Yet that's a challenge. They believe that God sent His only begotten Son to earth, and that His life was cut short. His mission was not completely accomplished. That His death stopped short of what needed to be done. One would have to overlook all of the prophecies that reference His bloodshed, and His stating in Matthew 16 that His death would not stop the establishment of the church. And His final words before going to the tomb to await resurrection, it is finished. So they looked for his return to come back and establish the kingdom that he could not establish the first time. For just a moment, let us understand that to believe this, one has to believe that God is not able, that God did not accomplish what he wanted in the sending of his son the first time. He's going to have to come back. The fool has said, what? As a writer outlined in the article that the fool is not the avowed atheist that we want to believe it is referencing. The fool that does not believe in God is the person that does not believe God. There were a lot of people, many following the Broadway when Noah the preacher writes and has labored for over 100 years building a boat saying it's going to rain, something that the earth had not seen before, and it was going to rain and rain and rain. He's a crazy man. They followed the broad way. Noah and his family were the only humans on the ark. I feel pretty certain others had some ideas of their own, but none passed the test that God put forward. When one believes in God and believes God, the foundation of his faith, his belief, must be on the Word of God, the Bible. We've talked about the uniqueness of that book, the power of prophecies, that even today it gives all that man needs for life and godliness. We simply cannot hold our God in one hand and the world in the other. Our time is gone. We thank you very much for joining us. Look forward to visiting with you next week at this time. Until then, we bid you a very blessed day.